exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach and Adam. Oh, Zach. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I just came back from Gem City Comic Con. It was a lot of fun, I assume. I'm yeah. speaking in terms of when you're listening to this, Zach. Not a... Not a now, Zach. Now, Zach... <laughs> uh, just had a salad and is recording this podcast before he goes and watches Enter the Spider-Verse with his child. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. We just got that on Blu-ray too. I'm excited to watch it. Uh, again. Yeah. I've only seen it the once. Yeah. I'm real pumped. My wife doesn't know what to expect yet. She actually, okay. She got mad because I did say spoilers for this, Oh. but it was okay. because I just assumed and this will be spoilers for uh, both spider-man into the spider-verse and the greater miles morales story uh so you can understand why adam me being someone who has known about miles for several years now did not find this a spoiler okay i told her that spider-man died and that Uh, i made my child watch a movie where spider-man dies (laughs) and she's like wow spoilers (laughs) and i didn't have a good way to explain to her that not yeah. really. No, not for the re- not not for the rest of us. You'll be good. Yeah. Um well, uh next weekend's a big one, you know. We've got Endgame coming out, which I assume will be spoiled for you. And uh, uh, no, I did actually <laughs> update update on that. Uh Zach did get a babysitter. Oh, great. Okay, good. Yeah, so I'm I'm going on a Friday. Uh It's a 3-hour movie and I get off uh an hour before then and i have to drive home from work first also uh so i'm essentially just not going to eat and uh not going to use the restroom for several hours uh yeah. which guys i'm just gonna say this i'm an old now i am the <laughs> i am the frail old age of 27 mm. and i've got to tell you folks there's nothing i want to do do less than watch a three-hour movie <laughs> I'm okay with it. Um, I do wish that they had just built in a little intermission time, you know, maybe a dancing Groot on screen for a good 10 minutes so everybody could, like, rush to the bathroom and refill uh, the popcorn. Adam, 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 Groot is dead. I don't know how you, how oh, you, right. uh... Oh, yeah. Maybe zombie Groot? Um, I don't know. Well, so Groot we've got Ash. Endgame coming out, uh, and then next week, I'm assuming by the time this comes out, like, almost the entire cast and uh characters on game of thrones will be dead uh, oh yeah spoilers of... for game of thrones guys uh <laughs> we don't actually know what happened last night no uh, but, but hour and a half battle of winterfell with uh with it's an hour and know. a half i have worked the next morning oh yeah me too it's gonna be crazy <laughs> yeah uh guys game of thrones is trash television that i love oh it's great it's great, but they do, uh, you know, have a tendency to, uh, you know, a lot of death, a lot of death. And we have a lot of uh, death in our show today, actually. I was waiting for the segue. I was <laughs> waiting for it. I knew we had, to, I thought we had missed the exit ramp, but no. then I saw you swerve around and pick it back up. So I'm real excited about this one, Adam. You know who dies a lot, Zach? <laughs> the New Mutants. They sure do. Why is that? Because Charles Xavier has a significant life insurance policy on each and every one of them. Wow, it's a money-making scheme then. Yeah, how do you think the school functions? Wow, that's really rough. I mean, you know, you get the new kids in, then you go abandon them for your girlfriend in space, and then you just hope that they pay out. That's that's really mean, Charles. Yeah, you remember that bus full of children that got bazooka'd oh, in God. that one story we talked about? Oh. Oh. That was one of the most lucrative things Charles Xavier has ever invested in. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, all right. Why are we talking about the New Mutants this week? I'm assuming we have a good reason. We have a great reason because friend of the show uh, and friend of the us, I guess. I guess we are the show. So everyone who's a friend of the show is a friend of the us. I like that. Yes. Friend of the us. Friend of the us. Uh, Charlie Davis uh, went on over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files. Just threw too much money and said, talk about this stuff. 
Oh yeah. So uh, the first story they wanted us to talk about is. Oh wait, first Charlie, thanks. You know that though. Uh, you're the you're 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 the bomb diggity. Thank you, Charlie. Uh, thanks, Charlie. Uh, anyway, first story they wanted us to talk about is New Mutants: Dead Souls. It came out last year. Written by now friend of the show, uh, Maddie Rose Rose, uh, with art by Adam T. Gorham. Yes. I, I believe he pronounces it Gorham. Uh, Adam, what's this, what's this, what's this t- yarn, this tale about? Uh, well, we have a, an interesting lineup here of Richter, Boom Boom, Guido, Rain, and Ileana working on basically like an X-Files team. Um, it turns out that they're working on behalf of karma, um, who is in charge of the Hachi corporation and, um, little do most of them know that they are on the trail of, uh, karma's twin brother, Tron, who is, uh, out there somewhere and inhabiting all kinds of different things. And so each issue is kind of like a little micro, uh, supernatural adventure for this great cast, uh, to go and explore, and then it all gets tied together. And of course, along the way, there's some death. Uh, yeah, uh, so we're going to spoil this series in total. Uh, yes. Because that's what we do here, guys. I feel like you know that if there's a story we're talking about and you've been dying to read it, to hit that pause button, go go onto that app, load it up, read it, and then come back and let us talk about it. Yeah, um, and uh, before we even talk about it, I mean, if you haven't read Dead Souls, you just missed one of the best X series to have come out in years. So definitely, if you don't want it spoiled, hit pause, go read it. All six issues are on Marvel Unlimited. Um, buy the trade, whatever you got to do, and then come back because um, we are gonna we're gonna talk about all the little spoilers, even though I've already kind of spoiled part of it um, already. Uh, well, you figure out that Tron is behind it by issue two, actually. Yeah. And I picked up on that this time around. I did not pick up on that issue two reading it the first time. Well, if you uh, have read the series and you go back and read the first couple of issues, Rosenberg is doing an amazing job of dropping clues and hints as you go along. But as you're reading it the first time through, and I was I was getting this in individual floppies at the time, I was like, uh, this is super fun, but I'm not quite sure what's going on. Like, Oh, yeah. What the connective tissue is between zombies and frost giants. Because um, the things that they pursue are super fun. Yeah, uh, so this seems like it's six one-shots. Uh, yeah. But in reading it month to month, you pretty much felt that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, reading it all in one sitting? No, this feels like a very cohesive story, which that's impressive uh for maddie to pull off here uh it's it's great there is the whole dark mystic elements that are going on there's a lot of stuff about guilt in this Mm -hmm. and you know the new mutants who they've been through a lot of stuff and all of these new mutants feel feel like monsters some of them physically like rain uh and some of them emotionally like guido especially you can you can feel his grief in this, uh, and a lot of this gets uh, explained through our center you know, point of view character Ileana Rasputin, Magic, the Dark Child. Uh, she actually gets a lot of focus in the fourth issue, which is a fake out funeral uh, for Richter. Who... Well, but you don't know that. You know, I, th- this is one of the big cruxes of the series is that it does appear as if Ileana has allowed Richter to die in this, like, really tragic plane crash. Um, so we don't really realize that it's a fake-out until we get to issue four, and it's a hell of a twist. Yeah, um, I'm I'm real, real here for that. It's, it's great. And credit where credit is due to Adam Gorham, who does this horror and emotion and grief and action so well uh oh it's fantastic i i'm very excited to see uh punk mambo which is coming out i think in a week or so um that you know his his indie title but especially issue number five where they sort of they they just basically break into um dr strange's house and they go through these escher like 
especially rain and guido have to go through these very like twisty maze like things the page layouts are outstanding uh yeah they're gorgeous um gorham is outstanding here and uh i think you and i have both said that i i think we both kind of wish that gorham was working on uh uncanny right now because i think he would really get matthew's tone very very yeah, well he would be able to draw a super hopeless uh super depressing uh final stand for the x-men type story uh that i think we've come to expect from uh many many rose roses uncanny uh mm-hmm. but yeah i i love the art in this it's absolutely phenomenal I love the fact that the story works. The character dynamics are fantastic. Even a character like Boom Boom, who gets relatively little to work with here from an emotional standpoint, uh, gets to be the comedic backbone of the group. And she is so fun in that role. Uh, The snark that comes out of Richter, that comes out of Boom Boom here. Uh, the emotional weight that comes through uh, Rain and Guido kind of working through some of the stuff from Peter David's X-Factor runs. Um, it's tremendous. And it, it nails the characters so well. And it has a ton of... Matt Rosenberg has a ton of guts to say, I only have six issues. Um, I'm going to end this thing with a hell of a cliffhanger. Oh, yeah, because here's the thing, guys. At the end of every issue... We have gotten a uh, short story about Warlock, you know, our good, good alien robot teenage space boy. And he's been living in a cabin. No one knows why. <laughs> no one knows why. Look, 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 look. Sometimes we're... Wait, shoot, I've got it. I don't know if this is the actual oh. location. And this is happening in real time. Uh, this is, this is okay. a brain blast from Jimmy Neutron uh, that's happening right here. Uh... <laughs> At the beginning of Peter David, uh, two-time GLAAD Award winner, Peter David's all-new X-Factor, Cypher was just living in a cabin, and he was going to kill himself. Uh, I don't know if this is the same cabin, but in my head, in Retconville, in in the realm of the Battle of the Atom canon, it's the same cabin, and while Cypher was having his weird internet addiction... Uh, which, boy, that's a thing that definitely has happened. <laughs> yeah. uh, Warlock, Warlock mosey on over and said, well, no one's using this cabin. Anyway, something <laughs> goes wrong with Warlock. Danny Moonstar tries to find him uh, after he explodes a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little, a little unfortunate. Um, but this, yeah, but this results in um, pretty much the entire team becoming infected with the techno yeah, everyone virus. becomes a warlock at the end of this, including Ileana, who, with her magical abilities, could be described as a warlock warlock. <laughs> it's a warlock warlock. Um, wait, so wait, is this techno-organic or is this trans mode? What, what, am I, I saying it right? don't know the difference. Okay. Anyway, they're all. I warlocks think the technical techno organic and... virus is the specific strain of the trans mode virus that has been removed from the uh, phalanx slash technarch uh, control scheme, whatever gobbledygook, and is eating Cable's body. Where the trans mode virus is the one that Warlock gets when he touches you too much. All right. So they've all been transmoded. Um, and what's been cool is that since this little mini, this is carried over into Rosenberg's astonishing run. Um, it, it then has carried on into his uncanny X-Men run. So it, you know, it's part of continuity. Yeah, and it's we've pretty talked cool. about it uh, on this very podcast. Uh, and by we, I do mean mm-hmm. myself and Emro. Uh, uh, Emro, as I'm calling him now. Uh, me and Emro talked at C2E2 <laughs> about how he has been taking... Uh, an approach knowing that he's only going to have a limited time on different books, be it Uncanny X-Men that he knew he was only going to have a limited time on, or New Mutants, or Multiple Man, or Astonishing, and said, I'm going to yes. still try and do Claremonti and long-form storytelling with this small chunk of story that I've been given. And it works really mm-hmm. well. And I, I, 
I think it works really well. Um, you know, he's been able to carry over elements from Multiple Man, from Dead Souls, uh, into what he did with Astonishing and what he did with Uncanny um, with Ed and Kelly. So I, can I, I think it's fantastic. Can I, I, can I ask, yeah, how do you ahead. feel about Karma and her characterization in this story? Because I, I did not personally have an issue with it, but I have seen people... Uh, yeah. In in the realms in in the uh, in the realms of comic mm-hmm. book discussion, who weren't happy with that. Well, um, we're going to talk about another story where Karma is not necessarily a good guy, per se. Later in this show, and I, I do think that Karma, as a character, historically has had um, some issues. You uh, know what I mean? How Karma is the second worst written new mutant and that's only because magma's not written at all yeah i just i feel like karma with um you know the twin scenario always i mean it's done very very well here but at the same time she consistently seems to become a villain you know in in stories or or if it's not a villain just enough of an antagonist to you know be that position in the story so it's a little bit tricky so I can understand that. I don't have a real issue with how this is done because she's doing it for her own personal reasons. Um, she just doesn't, I don't think, completely understand what it is that she's right. getting herself into. Also, and here's here's a large karma-based problem I have. Uh, give me one karma-centric story that is not about her friggin' family because I don't care about her uncle. I don't care about her brother. I don't care about her brother and sister. Like, I just don't care about the Koimans. Well, and I, I do think, yeah, I do think that that is a, a tricky thing. You know, the character um, didn't get a lot of screen time before she got abducted by the Shadow King. Um, and then has come back sporadically. But you're right. Like, it, it's always defined by the familial relationships. And they're not always the most interesting. I think the way it's done here, having Tran... Tron is the villain of the story um, and the cause of all these supernatural events. I think it's pretty clever um, and it works pretty well. I, al- so, I also think I'm if okay any that. writer wants a moral out for uh, what karma does here, well, it's the fact that she was driven my- mad by being half possessed by her evil brother, which yeah. is explicit yeah, in the absolutely. text. Yeah. To the point where, at the end of this, she picks up the phone and calls O.N.E., which is how they end up in a background of a panel in Astonishing. You know, like, there's that level of specificity. Yeah, uh, anyway. This story's dope. I love is... it. Oh, it's so good. So good. Um, I loved rereading this. I hadn't, I, I think I hadn't read it. In, uh, that would be reasonable. Out, it did, so just I, came out recently. Yeah, but it it was so much fun to read it as a whole because it, it does it works really well as a as a trade. Yeah, it's it's good. If you haven't picked this up, this has been one of the delights of the last year of X Men. So go after this bad yeah. boy. Uh, now speaking of bad boys on our list, uh, we have <laughs> two hundred and sixteen bad boys. Bad boys, what you're gonna do when they come for you? Us, uh, <laughs> we're gonna rank them. Dang, yeah, you, that's right. <laughs> I knew that was rhetorical, but... No, I'm glad you did. Uh, We have, like I said, 216 (laughs) stories on our list, ranking from our number one story of Uncanny X-Men Days of Future Past down to, let's say, 30, which is New Mutants 127, 60, which is the Pizza Hut X-Men stories, uh, the collector's edition for full comics, not the mini comics, which we haven't ranked. I know. Mm. Uh, Number 90 is Avengers versus the X-Men. Uh, which is a controversial pick on our list. Uh, 120 is Uncanny X-Men 115 INH, Girls' Night Out. Uh, 150 is Uncanny X-Men 206, Freedom is a Four-Letter Word. 180 is the first Adam X story. And 210 is the X-Men 100th Anniversary Special. There's six other stories on this list. They're worse. They They're worse than that very um, bad 100th anniversary <laughs> special for a comic that's only been running for like 56 years. Um, 
Hey, before we rank this, I think we would probably re- be remiss if we talked about this mini series um, and Charlie requested it without us mentioning how absolutely delightful and hilarious Shatterstar is in the background of this. Uh, in the few scenes, here's what we know about in. Shatterstar from this mini series: Shatterstar has strong opinions on brunch, even though he doesn't eat a lot. Shatterstar yep. gets left at tables sometimes and is very confused. Shatterstar cooks in the nude and. Due to the draconian censors at the Marvel Comics facility, yes, Jordan, I'm talking about you. <laughs> we were not allowed to see that Shatterstar does have a matching Shatterstar face tattoo on his right bum cheek. That's right. That's right. He also has excellent taste in sweaters because uh, Richter is apparently wearing. Uh, he admits to his uh, the snakes in Doctor Strange's house that Shatterstar bought him a sweater. Yeah, okay. So... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to talk about... Now that we've brought this tangent up. <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. It's just I wore that sweater yesterday. Hey, all right. Uh, me and go. Richter have the same sweater. Shatterstar brought, nice. bought it. Not for me because he's fictional. Uh, I think... I think either my wife bought it for me or no i think we just went to kohl's and found it on the clearance rack love uh, it it's great it's a nice comfy cardigan uh yesterday was easter as we we're recording this so it was perfect for our beautiful matching family easter shoot oh, i would be in love with a Shatterstar at kohl's miniseries i really would look it wouldn't <laughs> be my least favorite Shatterstar miniseries <laughs> Um, all right. So I love this and I think this is definitely top 50 material here. Yeah. Um, this number 50 is, uh, X factor, the longest night. And I think this yep. is better than that. So Matt, you did beat, uh, Peter David. Oh, sure. Big time. Um, and I, I don't know. I can kind of see this going high. Like I'm looking at 36. Rogan Thompson's Gambit Rogan from Gambit. earlier this year or that year. Yes. It's better than that. I think it's better than that. And I just keep looking up and up the list because these are characters that I absolutely love. And I think this is quite possibly like one of the most perfect New Mutants miniseries. Uh, I, I just think it's amazing. Is it better than number it's, it's 26? It's difficult to talk about flaws. You know what I mean? It is difficult. Uh, yeah. is, it, is it better than number 26, uh, the New Mutants Inferno story? Because I think I that's think... going to be the big... Uh... Uh, all right. Um, I think it is. I, I I think that that Inferno New Mutant story is so good and so classic, but this gets these characters so well and tells just such a unique, perfect contemporary story with them. I absolutely love it. I th- um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and I yeah. I don't know how far this will go. I do okay. think if there are any flaws in this story. It's that this is, while it's a New Mutant story, it's an Ileana Rasputin story first and the rest of the team second to the detriment of a couple of characters. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I think Boom Boom, like I mentioned, and I think Strong Guy doesn't have as much to do in this as I would like. Like, mm-hmm. I like his resolution with Rain, but I wish there was... within More time. The, I, within, like, these six stories, I wish that tension was built up a little bit more. It's very yeah. satisfying for long-term readers to come back to this, but I'm not sure in the text of these six issues, it did enough to push that forward. Now, this is, again, us going for nitpicks in a good story. <laughs> well, yeah, and I honestly, like, you finish issue six, you want to read issue seven. Like, this could very easily have been an outstanding ongoing the way it was headed. Um, I, I'm totally fine with it being you know a mini um it, it, it you know it does what it needs to do in those six issues but you're right like some of these things could have been uh developed longer where do you fall on better or worse than new mutants inferno i don't know uh, i know my ceiling is life death i know this isn't better than life death okay life death one yes i also know it's not better than life death two uh, but that's just because yeah. Life Death 2 is higher. No, I wouldn't put it that high. I think where I'm looking is I'm, I'm starting to compare it to number 23, which is the first three issues of Generation X, um, which, you know, I think are outstanding in terms of putting those characters together, have great art. Um, where where would you rank it up against Generation X? 
I think I like those three issues of Generation X better. Okay. Well, then right below that, we have the dupe issue of Wolverine and the X-Men that with Mike Allred. That issue's real good. That issue's it real is. good. It's probably <laughs> the best piece of dupe uh, we've ever had. Uh-huh. Here's what I'll say. Okay. Let's go below the dupe one shot, uh, but above the first issue of Ecstatics. I can get behind that. I think that's a really respectable place, and that would put it at our new 25. Yeah, cracking the top 25. Matty nice Rose, what a shot. good showing, my man. I'm so proud. Oh. I know you don't listen to this podcast, but if you did, <laughs> you'd be very... I, I think you should be filled with a sense of completion like your life's work has been done. And now uh, you can it, spend the rest of your life just knowing that you have gone past the peak. <laughs> Uh, and so again, to reiterate, if you haven't read it, go check it out. Yeah, it's good um, stuff. This is good. This now, is good. This wasn't the only time that the New Mutants uh, bought it. So um, where are we going next? We got more death on the way. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go way back. Uh, okay. To an event. Uh, you remember about Secret Wars two? Oh, not... the one where Spider Man teaches the Beyonder to poop. Yes, that one. It's not the second <laughs> story called Secret Wars. It's not the story called Secret War. It's Secret Wars 2. That's right. That's Man. right. The one where Beyonder gets a jerry curl and decides to wreak havoc in the Marvel Universe. The one where Boom Boom gets introduced? That's correct. Yes. So there are some benefits to Secret Wars 2. Um, unfortunately, uh, as we learned in New Mutants 37, one of the things in the crossovers that happens is that the Beyonder decides just, eh, he's going to kill the New Mutants. Yeah, we're not talking about 37, uh, though nope. I did reread this for this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, dang, that's a dark issue. Uh, that one's rough. That one's a hard read. Uh, well, and and then uh, if you want to catch up on what's going on before the issues we're going to talk about, the end of Secret Wars 2 um shows why the new mutants aren't actually dead and do you want to you want to share why that happens zach because it's kind of funny yeah the beyonder remade all the new mutants in his cloning vat (laughs) yeah Uh, so all the new mutants are not actually the original new mutants which which i forget about about that yeah i totally forgot about that um i don't even know if reading my first run through of new mutants i remembered that and kids if you weren't reading new secret wars 2 you'd be pretty baffled as to what's going on at the beginning of new mutants 38 so what issues are we covering here 38 through 40 yeah we're gonna cover 38 through 40 uh which is tentatively titled aftermath right so uh here's what happens you know how uh you know how uncanny x-men is going on right now right Yes. Uh, as it should always be. Uh, you know how you know how something happened? And spoilers for the recent Matty Rose comics. Uh, you know how Cyclops is a Cyclops right yes. now? Shot uh, in the eye. Got shot in the eye, yeah. By his granddaughter. By his granddaughter, yes. <laughs> uh, that's not the only pun-based, uh, pun-based change that happened in X-Men. Because Banshee's a Banshee right now, and no one picked yeah. that up on that. <laughs> uh, and that's great. essentially what the New Mutants are right now. They are husks. They are, like, lifeless. And they are just, mm-hmm. like, zombie walking through their day. Uh, yeah, and it couldn't happen at a worse time because uh, Professor X has uh, flown off to space and left them uh, in the care of their cousin, um, Michael Xavier, a.k.a. Magneto. Yeah, his long lost cousin. Do you, I don't, I don't understand why anyone buys that cover. Like, it's clearly Magneto. He's not. He's an internationally known supervillain. He puts on a suit and a he's hat. Yes. <laughs> you don't expect supervillains to be running children's schools. I guess that's true. I Which is shocking true. because two of them do it in this story. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. this this is a Chris Claremont joint. Uh, mm-hmm. Daddy Chris is writing this one uh, with pencils by Rick Leonardi, uh, Keith Pollard, and Jackson Geis. Yes, and inks by uh, Kyle Baker, uh, Del Barris, and, and uh, Bill Sinkevich. Yeah, Sink. He does it. And covers by Art Adams. Yeah, the covers are real good. Oh, that, real good. That first one on 38 where they're all climbing out of graves, uh, that's pretty good. The one where Emma Frost is mannequining all of the uh, 
New Mutants? Oh, because they become Hellions in this story? Well, uh, this issue 38 begins with uh, the New Mutants seemingly going through a, a danger room sequence and then walking out to their graves and burying themselves. And Magneto is, you know, just kind of racked with guilt that he has no idea what he's doing. Um, and so he basically just transfers them to uh, the Massachusetts school um, where he hopes that Emma Frost can kind of heal these zombie kids because they're just walking around kind of agreeing with everything. And Danny is the only one that really seems to have her act together. Um, yeah. Gets visited by Thor in his frog form. Yeah, I forgot that that uh, frog Thor was in this story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um so, yeah, the New Mutants become Hellions, and uh, Magneto gets to kind of profess his love for these kids by fighting off the Avengers? Yeah, because he realizes that he made a horrible choice, because Emma Frost, for whatever she is today, was a supervillain who taught children while wearing skimpy lingerie, which, yes, man, I'm a... not a teaching professional, but that does not seem up to code. No. No, it doesn't. Um, however, she does uh, fix, quote-unquote, these test tube uh, new mutants who have been recreated and, and restores their personalities. So, um, points for that. Um, the A real villain here is Empath, who, wow, savage. Empath just does very bad things uh, to Ugh. everyone involved, including making Tom Corsi and Sharon Freelander uh burn with fiery passions that would make the apostle paul upset can i ask a stupid question though i'd love um, to hear your stupid question about this all right uh so we have tom and sharon yeah and empath basically tells them like hey go love each other till you can't love each other anymore when they reappear they are now suddenly punk rockers with piercings with their 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 clad in leather um they've shaved different parts of their head and they're wearing different gold bangles i'm just curious like why was that part of the equation look uh i like to i like to think that we are a family friendly podcast here <laughs> so i'm gonna i'm gonna handle this the best i can chris claremont uh has a little more in common with uh now two-time recurring uh character on this show <laughs> uh christian gray uh than i, I think anyone's comfortable with I, I knew you were going to go there. All right. It, I wasn't I, planning on it. You set up this bit. This was not. This was not in my show notes. But no, I just am I wrong? Get it. No, but like why every time? I mean, Look, why? Don't yuck it as yum. Yeah. I, that's, okay. that's, that's, that's something. That's a narrative trope that he likes to continue to go through. Uh, yes. I don't. I don't want to besmirch Daddy Chris because I don't know what Daddy Chris is into. Uh, I just know that Daddy Chris does use a lot of Daddy tropes in sure in does. his stuff. Man, Daddy Chris, come on, boy. Um, so this whole story culminates with um, with Magneto fighting off the uh, '80s Avengers, and you know it's not a great lineup. And then the New Mutants come and help Magneto, and everybody's happy, and they yeah. come home to. They come home to the Xavier School. Can we talk about how bad these Avengers are? Mm. They're so useless. Like, they have no abilities whatsoever. I guess you know, uh, they, aren't, Nate... they aren't all the worst, actually, now that I look at it. Like, Captain America's good. Monica Rambeau, good. She was in Next Wave. Very good. Was It's just, yeah. Fine. It's Namor. not the lineup. It's it's what they do. Like, well, the Black only Knight. person that seems to have any combat ability here is Namor. <laughs> Black Knight's also on this team. In Black Knight, I've told this story before. Oh uh, Black Knight, when they were doing the USA Avengers 50 States variant, mm -hmm. I was so excited because I'm a proud, proud son of Ohio. And, you know, while Ohio has a plethora of problems, I do represent that state. And they gave us Black Knight. Mm, that's a shame. And I was very upset. To the point where I chose not to buy it because I hate Black Knight so much. He might be my least favorite Avenger. It's up there. Like, if they gave us Dr. Druid, I'd say fine. But Black yeah, Knight? Yeah, Black Knight's the one with the, the heart of stone that somehow still 
beats blood. Yeah, magic. he's yeah he's he has the ebony blade. You know about the ebony blade, right? It's an I evil really sword. Don't. It's an evil oh, sure. sword that's been passed <laughs> down since King Arthur times. Also, uh, tangent not related to this story, except for that Black Knight's in both of them. Uh, you, you've heard about the Knights of the Round Table, right? Say that one more time. The Knights of the Round Table. Uh, they dance yeah, whenever they're knights. able. Yeah, yeah, Knights of the Round Table. Uh, well, you, you've heard the story of King Arthur and how his beloved Guinevere uh, had relations with good Sir Lancelot and yes. and caused the downfall of the Arthurian Empire. Uh-huh. You know that's because Pete Wisdom hit on Guinevere so bad that she got so mad that she went to Lancelot for comfort? Are you serious? That's a hundred percent hand to god a real thing that happened in these marvel comics not these oh, ones. wisdom I, I don't think i hate any marvel character more than that pete um, wisdom ruined <laughs> ruined king arthur it i think it's beautiful oh he's the worst um these issues are not great no they're not the best uh no there's some good stuff with danny in it uh i yes. like i like the concepts of the fact that the new mutants Went through a super traumatic experience, and they are still processing it. That's good. Mm-hmm. I don't think the specific execution in this story is fabulous. No, and it, it, it is very odd that it culminates with this fight with the Avengers. Like, I just don't really understand why that is the way that Magneto gets to win the kids back. It's because he proved that uh, that he loved these kids so much that he was willing to fight the Avengers for them. <laughs> I do absolutely love the cover of New Mutants 40, though, because it's Captain America knocking out Magneto. And there is a wacky Barry Windsor Smith warlock kind of going, oh, no, in the background. <laughs> it's pretty good. That one's <laughs> pretty good. Um, uh, anyway, I don't think this is that memorable. Um, it's the, not the, that the bad either. And... Like, I had a good time reading it. Oh, yeah. No, I, I don't think it's bad. I just, you know, it, it's not sticking with me that much. And I, I like New Mutants a lot. So let's see. What's some New Mutant stories we have on this list? Well, we... It's not as good as Slumber Party. Not as good as Dead Souls. Not as good as Inferno. All right. Um, All the way down at 174, we have the Summer Special. I'm... Assuming you would argue this is better than the summer special. I wouldn't have to argue it because that's an objective fact. Okay. Um, what else do we have? Uh, Fall of the Mutants is down at 188. So we know we're not going that low. No, um, uh, here's here's how about one. Steal This Planet at 104. I like Steal This Planet better. Okay. So we know we're going lower than 104. What were you going to say? Hmm. I like this better than uh, Fatal Attractions in the first Juggernaut story at 126-ish. Okay, yeah. That's a good place on the list. Um, but I don't like it more than that Miss Marvel story, the two-part team-up with Wolverine. Yeah, that is at... 123. 123, okay. Huh. Um, but do you like it better than Jump the Shark? which is where Wolverine and Spider-Man uh, switch bodies in the Ultimate Universe. Yes. You do? Okay, so uh, better or worse than First Appearance of Juggernaut? Exactly worse. <laughs> okay. So this would be our new 128? Yeah, this is going to be our new 128. New Mutants I think that's a great spot for it. I had to think on that one. No, I, th I think that makes sense. That first Juggernaut appearance is really fun and, and pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, so we've got one last story. And I don't know if it's better than uh, than that New Mutant story, but it's defo more interesting. Oh, it is a doozy, man. Yeah, so this is from 1997. It's The New Mutants, Truth or Death. Ooh. <laughs> Spooky. It's written uh, by perpetual fill-in writer Ben Robb, uh, with mm -hmm. pencils by Bernard Chang. This is a very peculiar part in continuity, too. Like, this is Road Trip X-Force. Like, we're right on the verge of that, right? Yeah, this is, this is like, right before the road trip starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
if for folks who have never heard of this, because I had never heard of this before I read it, um, this is basically the New Mutants pulling a Bendis all new X Men, <laughs> and it uh, is yeah, it's the original lineup who basically decide um, that they are going to Ileana is going to use her powers to go check out what they're doing in the future. Well, 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 well. Let's talk about how this comes about because it's a very <laughs> new mutants way to do it. Uh, the power goes out, so they play Truth or Dare. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, it is called Truth or Death. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's that in there, and uh, everyone's doing stuff. Rain doesn't like Truth or Dare. Uh, of course not. They say they played Truth or Dare for four hours, and no one's making out yet, which seems like this is not how teens play Truth or Dare. Yeah, uh, no one plays Truth or Dare for four hours. Um, but Warlock does very wisely defer that Danny is the leader of the team, which I think is a wonderful moment. Because he thinks that's going to be the most political answer. <laughs> exactly. He explicitly says, well, Cannonball's not going to punch me. Yeah, and uh, I I really like the artwork here. Bernard Chang uh, is is doing the artwork, and he does, he does some pretty good facial expressions as we go through here. See... Um, I think he's fine. I think, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's the inking on this, or maybe it's that 1997 coloring. Mm. Uh, but something about the art in this just doesn't sit right with me. Okay. I, I think it may be more about the, the color separation. You get a lot of gradients going on here. Uh, Mark Pennington is doing the inks here. And mm-hmm. y- you're right. It's, it's very thick. Um, but uh, he does a great warlock. Um, I feel like he's got a very good handle on these characters. Um, but by coming to the future, obviously we're, we're risking the time space continuity. Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? You're trying the... to say space time continuity. Thank you. Uh, no, that's continuum. what I'm trying to say. Continuum. continuum. Thank you. Um, but there's an additional uh, wrinkle to this. And that is that everybody's least favorite <laughs> Rasputin is involved in this story. Well, except for the uh, Russian monarchs. Uh, they probably have a least, least favorite Rasputin who is not Mikhail. Oh, yeah. I guess that's true. I mean, look, fair. Uh, they were rich. And no matter how much someone tries to tell me that Anastasia was good. You know what? I actually don't know enough about Russian history to know which side of this I should be on. They, everyone seems like they all made mistakes long term. I, I was just trying to introduce uh, the incredibly annoying uh, Mikhail, who um, has been trying to contact... Ileana throughout the timeline and whose motivations here are are very mixed um i'm not even sure having read all three issues of this that i completely understand what he was out to do here's what i think he was out to do okay miss michael rasputin uh this is post uh drowning all the morlocks uh you know uh the the morlocks take manhattan on our list so so he's dead He's dead. Except for he's not because they went to the hill, which was this alternate dimension that was explored in the Storm miniseries. That, was that a Warren Ellis joint? I have no idea. Uh, did, anyway, the Storm miniseries. We're going to look that up as I keep talking here. Uh, so this is, this is late Mikhail Rasputin. He has found out that uh, he has contracted the legacy virus. Oh, right. But right. but he does think that his magic sister uh, will be able to absorb the legacy virus and not get it. Uh, by the way, Storm was written by Warren Ellis with art by Terry Dodson. Uh, Classic. Uh, it's not Don't a great story. Uh, Never read it. Um, good, good I combo, mean, look, look, we should read it for the show. It's interesting, yeah. to say the least. Anyway, and he uh, he wants to save Ileana from dying. Uh, in the future, which, by the way, because all the X-Force-y, Excalibur-y uh, New Mutants know that Ileana is dead in the future, and she finds that out because that's when they went to the future to find. Uh, and then Mikhail says, well, I can save her. And I don't know how he's going to save her, uh, but Ileana doesn't want to die, which, fair. Well, but it's also very strange. Like, the way it's explained is that Ileana is going to die of the legacy virus, but... Ileana kind of dies in Inferno. Like, she doesn't because she's de-aged, but the Ileana who's in this story is going to essentially not be because she's not going to have any memories of that experience. So 
there's a little bit of a wrinkle here that no one is willing to tell Ileana. Um, similarly, no one is willing to tell uh, <laughs> uh, Doug and Warlock what's going on either, because we've got Doug Lock here in this story. <laughs> Doug Lock is here. I, I like how they say, uh, so wait, why are you dressed like Doug? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And then he's basically like, yeah, I really thought they were great, so I look like them. And everyone just buys it, but frankly, yeah. if I'm the New Mutants, that's not the weirdest thing I've seen today. Yeah, so um, really the bottom line here is that we have a retcon here, if I'm not mistaken, right? Because yeah. this kind of suggests that the reason that Ileana, as a child, became infected is because of Mikhail's actions in this story. Yeah, uh, Mikhail, science, science, voodoo magic, uh, transferred his legacy virus to her. Yeah. But it laid dormant for years. He thought, he thought Ileana could take it. Like, he thought that her demon powers would get rid of it, and it didn't. Uh, that's some very strange logic, Mikhail, but you're a psychopath. So, <laughs> hey, he he makes his own wine, so he's he's probably cordial <laughs> about it. Yeah, that tracks. That tracks. Mikhail um, doesn't strike me as a mean person. He strikes me as a troubled man who has done some very bad things. Oh, he's an utter psychopath. Um, he yes. gets to dress in some really fun techno uh, outfits here, with some you know helmet and and paneling, and it's very strange. Um, I I just think that. It's it's a wild that this series exists, um, and the way that the legacy virus is treated as almost like it's cancer, you know, like the idea that they, there are these cells inside of all, any of these characters that could then give them the legacy virus later, which is very very different from the way it's handled, um, you know, in the rest of continuity, uh, which it's something you contract. Um, I, I don't know. It's very Look. interesting. I'm not I'm not a bioscience expert. <laughs> I know that if you want that kind of podcast content, go somewhere else. Uh maybe Chris is on Infinite Earth. I don't know. Uh but it ain't me, fam. Ain't me. Uh and also not the writers of Marvel Comics because they don't know how the legacy virus works either. Oh, nobody does. It's it's just whatever's convenient at the moment. Um but it is also interesting that they almost the new mutants almost escaped this scenario with their memories intact um it's if not for a last minute uh karma you know zapping them they would still recall all of this yeah uh it's it's interesting i kind of like the fact that this could be a precursor to uh say an all-new x-men or something like that because it, yeah it does so many interesting things with these characters and with this story and I'd love to see it expanded on just a little bit more sometime in the future. Like, this is this is such a cool concept. It goes into one of my favorite times in uh, X-Force slash the once-in-future New Mutants uh, timeline, which is the late 90s, which, guys, it's not collected, and it's fabulous. Well, It's actually also... 50% fabulous, 50% just dreck about the deviants, but... Hey, you take what you can get, right? Um, but it, it would be kind of fascinating to see this team um, in this in this time period. There's a great panel with Danny looking at a framed picture of Generation X and going, who the heck are these kids? Um, and even their encounters with their future selves are interesting, the way that they interact with each other. Yeah, oh, man, I just, I like it. I don't love this story. I love the concepts in it. Uh, yeah, there's, there, there's, there's a reason why uh, why the Bendis stuff is better. It's because Ben Rob, I uh, everything has led me to believe you are a nice gentleman. Uh, I have no reason to understand otherwise, and I know that you are still like living and working as an adult in this world. So if you happen to listen to this podcast, like I'm not sure how much of your X Men stuff was good. It was Ben Rob was never like bad. He was also never great. He was I don't know what the what the line for like the baseline you sure are a comic book writer is in today's day and age. And I don't think I want to throw names of current creators cuz that could get insulting. But like they are 
they are the Yaris. Ben Rob is the Yaris, the Toyota Yaris. You know about that car? <laughs> that it Please is a car. Tell me more about this. Please tell me more about this metaphor. Uh, no, it's just like it was. It was a kind of entry level, lower cost Toyota sedan that they put out. Yeah, I've heard of it with a silly <laughs> so, name. So that's Ben Rob. He's the comparing you want, a human you, being to an entry level sedan. <laughs> he's the he's the you want you you want a a baseline of quality. You want a baseline of competency and reliability. You're not going to get anything flashy. You might get a few people making fun of you, but you're not going to be like angry about it. And that's Ben Rob. Work okay. on the X Men. He's not defined as a person by his work on the X Men. However, on this podcast, maybe I'm lying. <laughs> um, I'm going to go to bat for him and uh, his characterization. He does a really nice job with Warlock. Um, he does a really good job of making Douglock kind of likable. There's great dynamics between uh, Cannonball and Rain. Um, and this is ultimately kind of confusing sometimes, having these characters that ultimately are not that different in age interacting with one another but it's handled pretty well i and do think i do oh i'm sorry keep going no go go ahead i was gonna say on that note i do think the art sometimes does suffer in the fact that i can't necessarily tell the older version from the younger version yes. of a handful of these characters uh it cannibal and karma mm-hmm. uh wolf spain at least you can depo tell the difference danny moonstar not so much no it, it becomes tricky um, when, you know, different teams are kind of locked up. And, you know, the core conceit of this, um, you know, which involves this this retcon of Mikhail giving Ileana the legacy virus, I just don't like it. You know, the, the more fun thing that could be happening here are the interactions between the two generations of the team. Um, and those happen, but they're incidental to the Mikhail story. So um, I, I'm not as hip to that. This is definitely still worth checking out. Um, it's not on Unlimited, but um, definitely yeah, worth tracking down the back issues. Yeah, go uh, go dig this one up. Like if if you pull this out of a long box, pick it up. You'll you'll enjoy these. Yeah, if you're a New Mutants fan, this is an interesting peculiarity that I, I think you would get a kick out of. Now, uh, we are New Mutants fans. Yeah, and we've talked about some New Mutants stories. Mm-hmm. Is this better or worse than Aftermath? okay where's aftermath on our list 128 128 all right um i don't oh this is a tough one i think this is a tough one i think yeah i don't think this is good as as uh original uh new mutants run you know that that has sinkevich doing inks on a lot of it um you know i think that's a an arc that despite the fact that I don't love it so much, I think it made a huge impact on a lot of readers. Oh, yeah. Better or worse than number 139 on our list right now, Wolverine Cocaine. Uh, I like cocaine better, which is a weird (laughs) sentence to say. Uh, I like that story better. I like the Wolverine story better. Um, I feel like this, we're in the right area, though, on the list, because, like, at 140, we've got UXM 300, um the vegas like arc is 300 better yeah i but like it's kind of on par with the xfi 207 to 213 vegas arc at 142 yeah because it's better than 141 which is the special edition x-men number one backup yeah yeah i feel like that's probably a good place for it then uh right He's... below 300 mm, or do yes. you want to go lower I'm trying to remember that Vegas story has a lot of flaws. It also has Thor teaming up with uh, X Factor to infiltrate Hela's uh, casino and fight zombie Vikings like at Skyrim. Oh yeah, no, it has some cool concepts. It's just, especially the art on that 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 story suffers, unfortunately. We'll put it right above it because I'm not that picky about All that right. story. So we're we're putting it at 142. 141. Or- 141. Okay, great. That's a good truth place for it. Or death. Or death. <laughs> or death. And guys, that uh that closes up this episode. Uh I had a lot of fun today. Oh, I, I feel like, like I learned some things. Yeah, this is cool. Check these stories out. If you're a new mutants fan, uh you'll like them. Now, uh 
This episode was made possible by long-term friend of the show, Charlie Davis. Charlie has been one of the biggest supporters for uh, the Battle of the Atom uh, podcast uh, that we've ever had. Uh, I think Charlie has been our largest supporter for the longest time. Uh, yeah, Charlie's a huge supporter of, uh, of Fish and Jubes as well. Uh, it's been around since the beginning, so, you know, thank you, Good. Charlie. Yeah, go check out their podcast. Uh, you've heard it pitched on here several times, uh, but it is called The Young Ones. They talk about teen superheroes and why they love them. Uh, they are ter- currently talking about uh, Wolverine and the X-Men, which, boy, we got some mixed feelings on those. So <laughs> Now, if you want to be like Charlie, you got to start your own podcast and then hound every artist, writer, and editor that you can uh, preaching the gospel of shattered stars. <laughs> or you can go over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files, uh, pitch in any amounts of money uh, that you want, and uh, we'll, we'll rank rank a story that you selected. We've got, we've got spots filled up through December, uh, so wow. we gotta, wow. we gotta, like, get your, get your things in. Get your monies in, and we'll uh, we'll sort something out. I'm really excited. If, if there's so many stories, like here's the here's the curse about Patreon, and I love the patrons. Uh, you guys make this podcast possible. They suggest stories, and they have good suggestions, and then I have an idea for an episode, and then I'm like, oh dang! But th- now I have to wait till next year to do it. <laughs> uh, well, we you know that's the curse of having a lot of people make a lot of requests, and so it's a bad problem to have. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm sorry. It's a good problem to have. That's what it I meant is. to say. I it is. Uh, we may that. have an Easter special for next year Ooh, uh, percolating right. in my head. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to need to get someone who knows about popes and uh, work from there. Uh, but I like that idea. <laughs> but um, uh, also, if you can't support the show monetarily, that's perfectly okay. A lot of people can't. It's all right. Uh, you can uh, just like... Tell a friend about the podcast. It's a lot of fun. Uh, maybe some of you are listening for the first time coming out of Gem City Comic Con, in which case, wow, that worked, suckers. <laughs> uh, and thank you uh, for listening, I guess. This is an awkward pause. Follow me on Twitter at Xavier Files, and then XavierFiles.com is my website where I do stuff and things. I think by the time this has come up, uh, or at least shortly after, I will have a long piece about all of my thoughts on what Jonathan Hickman's going to do, uh, which the editor of the X-Men line says, I says he was very skeptical about me being right. And then I explained the basis of my theory. And he says, no, that sounds like something Jonathan would do. (laughs) The basis of my theory was puns. And he said, yeah, okay, you're on to something. I like your theories, so I'm excited to see them get published and, and get out there. They were jokes until I realized that a pun worked really mm-hmm. well, and then I said, no, that's like too good not to be true. <laughs> it's going to be fun to see how it checks out with the, rea- with the real thing. If I get like anything right, if I'm spot on about anything, I'm going to call it a victory. I think you may. I I think you're onto something. I think um, I'm kind of onto something too, which yeah. is terrifying because <laughs> it's just wild enough to work. Like this is not. This is not the. Well, maybe Quentin Quire is going to be evil and attack people, and Pixie's going to murder them, and that's why the Inhumans hate the X Men. Uh, no, this is going to be good stuff. This is wild. Like you couldn't write this fan fiction, except Jonathan Hickman is. <laughs> Oh. Adam, where can people find your literal fan fiction that's very good? All right, uh, guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy, and I have new pages of Vision Jubes, the Cross Time Conundrum, uh, coming out every X Men Monday at adamrec.tumblr.com. Oh, and guys, I definitely have uh, copies, black and white copies of the uh, Xavier Files zine from last year that I got printed especially for Gem City Comic Con, and I'm just betting that I didn't sell out. Like, let's be real. Uh, And then I also have copies of Wolverine Adamantium Chef. Uh, (laughs) So we'll see what happens. I probably still have a couple... I'll probably still have a couple copies of the Adam X one. I didn't print new ones because, frankly, I don't think that works as well as a standalone thing without knowing a handful of my jokes. Uh, Oh, boy. 
But anyway, we'll move on uh, because next week we're going to be talking about Beast. Have you heard of him? He's blue and furry. He's blue. He's furry. He makes questionable scientific decisions. He makes questionable love decisions, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, but that's going to be fine. It's going to be good. Not just fine. It's going to be great. Uh, but until then, guys, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it! Also, happy birthday to my wife. Today's her birthday. She's old, and she should feel bad about that. I love you, babe.